This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 215, recorded Monday, April the 6th, 2015. So this is our first Monday podcast, Jason, after season five has wrapped up. Yeah, post, uh, post-season. Post, Weird. Post-season, it does feel all different. This is going to be a very different kind of show, but it's a good one. I feel like it's a really good action-packed episode of this podcast. So Action-packed? Well, you know... We... Are you going to do actions on the podcast, <laughs> audio-only podcast? Because that'd be weird. <laughs> that would be really weird. We have an interview coming up with Steve Coulter the actor who played Reg Monroe on uh, season five in Alexandria. We'll be getting to that a little bit later. Um, First, though, we are going to do some Walking Dead news, which we haven't done in a long time, and there's a fair bit of news to get caught up on. Good. And we're also going to announce the winner of our 2015 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. So exciting. Or I should say 2014, 2015, maybe, because it started back in 2014. It's like the hockey season. It goes spans over the year. So Or school year, even. Or school year, you know. Um, and that's what we're going to do first. Okay. So are, are you ready? Are you excited? Yeah, I am super ready. I am super excited. So here's what we did. We got all these entries. Jason and I went away to our own little corners of the world and we listened to them all over and over again and we each came up with our top five from the group mm-hmm. and then we got back together we put those two top fives together to see if there was any overlap and there was a little bit and so we took those ones that overlapped and we basically duked it out to decide which one was going to be our final choice I yelled, I screamed, Chris cried a little bit. You know, it was a typical uh, discussion that we have off the air. (laughs) That's right. How it goes. We seem all very friendly here while we're recording, but off the air, it's like biting and scratching. Oh, yeah. There's so much yelling. So So much much yelling. (laughs) Way more than you'd think. Yeah. Um, So what do you want to do, Jason? Should I just play it and then announce it, or should I just announce it first and then play it? Well, just play it and then announce it. All right. Here we go. Here is the winning entry. In our 2014-2015 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Don't worry, she'll come back. I didn't hurt her brain. No, no, no! We have to wait. I need to show you. You'll see. You'll finally get it. We have to wait. I just want us to wait. We can wait. We can wait. You just give me the gun. We can wait. I swear. You and Tyrese should... Take Judith back. It's not safe for her. But Judith can change too. I was just about to... She can't even walk yet. Yeah, you're right. So you two take Judith back to the house and we'll have lunch. And I'll just... I'll just tie Mika up, you know, just so she won't go anywhere. Who says what she'll do? Mm Mm-hmm. I promise. I'll use her shoelaces. What is it? What is it? Are you mad at me? Is that what you wanted to talk to me about? I'm sorry I pointed my gun at you. I just needed you to wait. I know. 
I'm sorry. I'm mad at me. I love you, Lizzie. I'm sorry. Please don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. And everything works out the way it's supposed to. Just look at the flowers, Lizzie. Just look at the flowers. I'm sorry. Just look at the flowers. So congratulations, Georgia in Melbourne, Australia, for that reading of the scene where Carol and, uh, well, Carol had to shoot Lizzie in the back of the head as she looked at the flowers. That was so awesome. So well done. Um, all the emotion was in there, you know, and it, it almost makes me tear up listening to it. it yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it definitely brought back the emotions of the uh, original episode, and uh, it was it was so excellent. It was it was really great. So congrats, Georgia. I'll send you an email to get in touch. We'll talk about getting you the prizes and so on. Um, but huge thank you to everyone who sent in an entry this year. They were all so fantastic. Uh, it was it was pretty tough, honestly, to choose choose our favorite one this this year. Um, and thank you to everyone. So thank you to everyone who sent those in. And uh, I enjoy doing these scene recording contests so much that we'll probably do one again next year so uh feel free to enter that one as well and uh, listen for details around the time that season six is starting cool all right uh let's move on into something we haven't done in a while here comes the news the walking dead news all right jason do you remember how this goes well you read the news and then we talk about it i read the news and you provide commentary on the news. Well, not just me. I mean, both of us. We both comment on it. It's very true. Let's first of all talk about the Season 5 home video release. Okay. Since Season 5 just wrapped up, we have got some information about when you'll be able to purchase it on Blu-ray and DVD. And, September 15th. Uh, nope. You're not too far off, though. Oh. August 25th. Oh, that's not bad. Not too bad. Uh, Anchor Bay put out a press release, Anchor Bay Entertainment, that is, who releases the disc. They put out a press release August 25th, as I said. From the press release, it said, uh, <laughs> The Walking Dead, colon, the complete fifth season, will dazzle viewers with state-of-the-art video and audio <laughs> presentations. <laughs> so corny. Oh, it's, I know. <laughs> state-of-the-art. Yeah, state of the art like Blu-ray and DVD. Blu-ray, that is the state of the art currently. I mean, uh, I guess they haven't really come up with 4K view viewers yet, right? Like they have 4K TVs, but do they have uh, compatible uh, playback devices? Um, well, there's no there's no disc. Oh, I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think there's a disc based 4K um, system yet. Um, but I mean, there are streaming or, or digital delivery 4k systems, Yeah. but I don't know if any of those will be available for the walking dead. I don't know, but, uh, either way, man, it's, you'll, you'll be dazzled by the state of the art video and audio presentation. I do. I do want to be dazzled. The one thing that we are generally most interested in here with these releases is the bonus content. Right. And there's always, of course, bonus content on these releases. And the other thing is there's always a um, special edition released every year, too. And there's no word on what the special edition is going to look like this year yet. Oh, let's speculate, shall we? Well, let's. while you're speculating, let me review. Um, we had a special edition of the 
RV Zombie. Was it RV Zombie with the screwdriver in his eye? I think that was a DVD yep. release. Yep. Or that might have just been a statue. I don't know. Anyways, we I know we had a special edition of the Governor's Zombie Head Fish Tanks. Yep. And last year, I think the special edition was the zombie, the moss zombie that was kind of growing into the tree right. from season four. So this season will be uh, Blu-rays in a blender. Oh, could be could be a blender, yeah. That's pretty good. Although they typically go for sort of a zombie, a zombie getup. Right. What uh, can you think of a hero zombie from season five that they might go for? Something related Some, to Terminus, maybe? Something with a W carved in its head, like a torso with a W carved in its head. Ah, uh, you're probably right. A wolf zombie. Yeah. A W zombie. We'll see. Um, when, when special edition details come out, we'll talk about it here. And uh, hopefully by then, too, we'll get an idea of what the special features are going to be so we can run down those. And And, you know, I do hope that they're more than just... Um, you know, featurettes of of the costume designer and so on. Like that stuff is all really interesting, but I feel like we've had it before. So something new, something new would like be lots good. of director commentary. That uh, that kind of stuff is always entertaining to watch. Yeah, director and actor commentary. Actually, that's true. Okay, um, let's get a little bit of season six information. There isn't too much out there yet, but. Andrew Lincoln and Greg Nicotero were talking to the International Business Times in the UK. Okay. UK edition. And Nicotero revealed that shooting on season six starts uh, in mid-May. Wow. So pretty soon. It's, it's pretty much already started. I guess if they're shooting in mid-May, they're, uh, they're already working on, like they probably have a couple of scripts in the can and they're storyboarding and uh, casting and they, it, we're probably in full production mode now. Oh, for sure. I mean, all that kind of work starts long before the preceding season ends. So season five was still airing and they're working on season six. Of course, they have to make sure that the story is continuous and so on. So they are definitely in full pre-production mode right now. And they're, we're less than six weeks away from, from actually starting to shoot. So early on in May, people are going to start arriving back in Atlanta and Georgia and wherever they're shooting, so it's not that far off. That's great. And here's something that Nicotero also said about season six, and this uh, this was before the season five finale, and it sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> but he said, <laughs> he said we set up a new threat in season six. Yeah. I think given where the finale ends, things are teed up very well. <laughs> so he's clearly talking about the wolves, right? Right. <laughs> or a golf course of some kind that uh, seems pretty, like when you when you talk about being teed up, it might be a play on words that uh, they've got the zombie golf course from hell. Well, we saw the governor shooting golf balls off the top of uh, a tr- camper. Uh, camper in Woodbury. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's probably just a metaphor, but uh, I do think it's funny that he said there's a new threat because that's exactly the same thing they said for the beginning of season five when everyone yeah. was getting sick. Yeah. So yeah, okay. So new threat. Yeah, new threat, which is really the same threat that we already assume is coming, which is the wolves. So new threat, same as the old threat. That's right. Uh, but that's really all we know about season six so far. Speaking of Greg Nicotero, though, he has signed a two-year deal with AMC um, 
to develop new shows, to continue being an executive producer on The Walking Dead, and I guess continue directing and writing and stuff like that. Um, but since it's a two-year deal, do you think this all but guarantees we're getting Walking Dead Season 7, too? Uh, I would think so. Do you think that, that regardless of what Nicotero decides to do, we're getting Season 7? What are the chances? No. That, really? Yeah, I think Nicotero, without Nicotero... Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Because Nicotero and the and The Walking Dead are kind of synonymous. It'd be hard to do. I, I don't know. I, I worry about such things. I, I, I stay up at night thinking about, you know, what if Nicotero leaves the show? What's going to happen? That's a valid concern. I mean, Nicotero is important to this thing. Um, and if they've locked him up for two years, you got to figure that's season six and seven. Um, although he's also apparently working on a pilot of another show for the network, and he's going to be working on Fear the Walking Dead as well. So right. he's got no shortage of stuff to do. Which is interesting because Fear, which we'll get to in a minute, is shooting nowhere near the the original show, right. ge- geographically, I mean. So uh, he might be flying all over the country a fair bit. That's okay. I'll just buy him a plane. Yeah. Here's your plane. Good luck. That's Thanks. true. <laughs> and, we, you know, you put a bed in the back, uh, you know, hook up your, your Xbox One to the big screen TV in the plane. And, you know, when you get a three-hour flight between different uh, different shows, you could uh, you could play, you know, the, the Dixon Brothers. Man. Remember that video game? I do. You played it. I did. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you should, do you still have it? You should lend it to me. I should give it a try. I still have it. Yeah. You want me to send it to you? I'll, uh, I'll mail it to you. All right. Sure. We sh- I should give that a try. Um, anyways, uh, Greg is going to be a busy guy, but it sounds like he's going to be a busy guy with AMC. So that's good news. Okay, let's talk about Fear the Walking Dead now. So a lot of new information has come out about this show, uh, including the title, which is Fear the Walking Dead. That is now official. That's awesome. And I think we'll get used to it. It is a little... It, 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 it's not what I would have guessed they would have called this show. It feels a little awkward, although I don't dislike it, really, and I'm sure we'll get used to it. Cobalt would have been better. Well, Cobalt doesn't mean anything, though. Cobalt yeah, is... Yeah, but that, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I used to play in a band. We had a, we had a song called Polyester Shirt. The song had nothing to do with that title, but it was an awesome title. <laughs> I know, guys. I've got a really <laughs> good title for a song. Let's just build something around it. Yeah. <laughs> well... Um, hopefully that's not how they approached naming this show, but, uh, Fear the Walking Dead it is. So what we know is that the pilot was actually filmed in Los Angeles and that is now done or at least finished filming. I don't know if they've finished editing it yet, but it was shot in LA and it was recently announced that the show will resume filming very soon, if not already, not in Los Angeles, but in Vancouver, British Columbia. Wow. So Vancouver, BC is going to fill, uh, sit in or stand in for LA. Well, they have to wait till the, well, I guess it's pretty warm there all the time, but, uh, you know, if it's going to be a stand in for LA, it, they can only do it on sunny days. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Vancouver is a pretty rainy city. Um, although I've been there twice in the last year and it didn't rain either time I was there, but both times I was there, everyone said, boy, are you lucky you came when it's not raining? Well, maybe it's that indoor-outdoor thing. You remember there was some talk a while ago about uh, each episode having a, a major, uh, you know, having an episode that had a major indoor component and then an episode here and there that would have a major outdoor component. Mm-hmm. So maybe Fear the Walking Dead, they set all the uh, 
uh, the exciting stuff in L.A. when they could film outside, but then when they move up to Vancouver, everything's inside. Right, everything goes indoors. Yeah. So since the rest of the show is going to be shot in Vancouver, it's going to be a very indoor-y kind of show. Well, it would have to be because, you know, if you walk around Los Angeles and you walk around Vancouver, they're very different places, right? Yeah. Different weather, different backdrops, different everything. So, I mean, Vancouver can substitute for Seattle. It can substitute for a lot of places, but substituting for LA, that's going to be tricky. Well, I, it's it's not the first time, though. I, I imagine they, they've figured out a way to make it work. I hope so. Well, I, I would, I, yeah, I would hope so. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried now. And this is another thing that's going to keep me up at night tonight, is that what if this show is all <laughs> indoors, right? Fear yeah. of the Walking Dead, the whole thing takes place in, uh, in a tunnel of some kind. Well, speaking of tunnels, did you see the promo for the 15-second promo that aired during the season five finale for this show? I did not. Well, this has aired, and uh, there is a tunnel in that. So let's talk about that right now. Um, What happens in this, I'll, I'll recap the promo for you. It's only 15 seconds, so it won't take long. All right. We see shots of normal looking Los Angeles, and there's a radio DJ doing a voiceover, and he's talking about how, you know, we hope you got your flu shot. He says there have been reports in five states of strange of a strange virus going around. So this is very early on. This is before anything has really happened other than some people are getting sick, it sounds like. Right. And then cut to a long, skinny tunnel, which looks to have a, a zombie in it sort of slowly moving forward and then fear the walking dead on screen. So um, your tunnel prediction may not be too far off. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing takes place in the subway. In in the subway. That's how they get around. Well, no, just the tunnel, you know, where, where's uh, the biggest tunnels in uh, Los Angeles? Well, I would, I would venture the subway as a large one. Yeah. Although from what I know, the um, subway in Los Angeles is not all that extensive. Well, you know, it's it's still it's still bigger than uh, than some other tunnels, I would think. Somebody told me that um, somebody once said to me that this no one ever takes the subway in L.A. because it really just gets you from one bad part of town to another. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I've been to L.A. a bunch of times, never taken the subway. I've never taken the subway in L.A. either. So that's the promo. Uh, I imagine we'll get a trailer at some point for this new show, maybe at Comic Con in the summer, depending on when it's coming out, but uh, they also announced that it's summer 2015, so that's a that's a sort of a big bucket there. Summer could be anywhere between probably July and August, I guess. Yeah, anywhere between, you know, June to September. I guess, but June feels too early because we're already in April, and September doesn't feel like summer anymore to me, but then, you know, summer up here in Toronto is a little bit different than summer in Los Angeles. So that's true. Um, I'm going to say probably in August sometime and uh, we'll see it on the air. Now, season one has six episodes confirmed and the show has already been picked up for season two. Good. So we got lots of Fear the Walking Dead to expect in the next few years. As for the storyline of this show and what it's going to depict. I've got a few quotes here from various people. The first one is Robert Kirkman speaking at South by Southwest, and he said, the timeline is taking place a little bit earlier time frame than the original show. Rick Grimes woke up from a coma and was like, oh man, zombies, weird. 
We're going to possibly see that unfold a little more in the other show, but I wouldn't call it a prequel because the entirety of the show is not going to take place before The Walking Dead. It will eventually form a path running concurrently. Huh. So it was widely reported this was going to be a prequel showing the early days of the zombie apocalypse, which it does sound like it will do, but it's not going to do that forever. I mean, Rick was in a coma for, what, two weeks or something like that? Yeah, something like that. So it's pretty hard to do an ongoing show that takes place, you know, in the first two weeks to two to four weeks of of an outbreak. Right, right, right. That's good. Um, He also said... At South By, if you are watching both shows, there will be things like, oh, they discovered this, or they discovered that in a different way. There are lots of things about the Walking Dead world these characters have to learn or figure out to get by. And there may be things that are discovered in the companion show that haven't been discovered in the other show yet. Oh, interesting. So they're going to drop in different little things about how this universe works and... And I think it will be to the viewer's benefit to watch both if you want to have the most complete, immersive Walking Dead experience. I would think that that is a reasonable assumption. But at the same time, I'm sure one of their goals is to make both of these shows stand alone and, uh, you know, not not uh, have anyone feel left out because they're, they're, they're only watching one and not the other. Right, like Laverne and Shirley in Happy Days. They stand alone, but you get more if you watch both? Well, yeah, because they take place in the same universe. Right. And, uh, yeah, we just, uh, you know, if you watch them both, then you understand the universe a little bit better. But if you just watch one, everything's fine. Well, here is a final quote from South by Southwest. David Alpert, one of the other executive producers on the main show, and talking to that, he said, there's going to be six seconds that reference the mother show. Six seconds. Other than that, the show will be an entirely standalone thing. The rules will be the same. Zombies don't talk, and there will be no zombie animals. But other than that, as far as references and things, there will be only a few Easter eggs and those six seconds. Six seconds, eh? Yep. (laughs) What do you think those six seconds are going to be? You know, I got no idea, really. Um, It's going to be... They'll be they... maybe there'll be a t they'll watch a TV broadcast of something, and on the TV news broadcast there will be some reference to something happening at uh, the CDC in Atlanta. Yeah, didn't they? Wasn't there something about uh, firebombing uh, Atlanta? Mm-hmm. So that's early on. Maybe that was. Uh... Or the, you know, the military entering Atlanta where that tank came from in the pilot episode of The Walking Dead, uh, that kind of thing. I think the CDC is a little late because that's, uh, that's a couple of weeks. That's after Rick woke up, right? And got back together with the group and mm-hmm. they went to the CDC and hung out there for a while. And that's, you know, well after the shit had hit the fan. True. So, uh, yeah, the, I don't think that's probably not it, but I just thinking of firebombing Atlanta, maybe. No, you you make a good point. CDC is a little late, but we do know that Atlanta was bombed. So maybe the, you know, maybe the shit hits the fan quicker in Atlanta. And in Los Angeles, they're still reporting on what's happening in the other parts of the country. So they report on Atlanta being blown up. Yep. I think I think that's probably it right there. Or military taking over Atlanta or trying to retake Atlanta or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, as more information comes out about this show, we will report on it here. 
And just to let everyone know again, we are, of course, going to be podcasting about Fear the Walking Dead. We'll be doing episodes about that show on this same podcast. So if you're a listener, you don't have to do anything different. You don't have to resubscribe to another one. You don't have to visit a different website or anything like that. The episodes will be released here on this show, at least for season one of Fear the Walking Dead. And depending on how it goes or what we want to do, maybe it'll be spun off later on. But for now, just keep listening and uh, we'll be talking about that show too. Okay, two more news items. Telltale Games, you know them. They release Walking Dead video games. Yeah. And recently, um, th- well, we've, we have two seasons of that game now, and a third one has been announced, but apparently it's not coming soon, hmm. which is interesting. Um, at South by Southwest, the head of PR for Telltale, Job Stoffer, Set job, job, job or job, J O B. Well, it'll be job. I very few people I think have the word have the name job. Job stopper. <laughs> Sorry, job stopper sounds like gobstopper. Uh, well, yeah, gob from uh, from Arrested Development. Right, job stopper said there will be a third season of The Walking Dead at some point. We don't know when yet, but yes, that is a thing. Oh man, I'm going to get an email about this. The Walking Dead Season 3 is not necessarily something you can expect to see super, super, super soon, but I think you can perhaps maybe expect to see The Walking Dead again sooner, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I'll let the internet work that one out. Next question. Wow. Okay. This so, is the head of PR. <laughs> yeah, what a clusterfuck. <laughs> so, What's he saying? Okay, how, wh- when is super, 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 super soon? Is that tomorrow? Well, that's uh, super, super, super soon, you'd think would be any day now, yeah. Yeah, so we're not going to see it, you know, it's not going to be released tomorrow or, you know, next Thursday. But, you know, maybe sometime in the near future, possibly? Mm, uh, I don't think so. That's not the feeling I get from his statement here. Yeah, so they don't know what's going on. Which is weird, um, because it's a hugely successful video game and very well reviewed both seasons. You'd think they'd want to crank another one out as soon as they can and capitalize on that. Maybe they deleted all the source code by accident. You know? <laughs> they had an intern delete all, and they had to start yeah, over. you know, just delete star dot star and propagate <laughs> that, uh, you know, slash r or whatever it is for recursive, and uh, propagate that to all of their online and offline backups, all their uh, you know redundant servers, whatever. So maybe there was just a, a catastrophic intern that came in and wiped out everything, and they got to start over. Boy, the last thing you want is a catastrophic intern. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, I have no idea if that happened, but. And I also don't know what the holdup would be. I mean, maybe to them, super, super soon means like, you know, coming out in the fall when when season six starts. Well, maybe they need to port it over to the Xbox One and they uh, lack the know-how on how to do that. You'd think I don't know. I'm just I'm guessing. You'd I think have no that idea. would be an easy problem to overcome, though. It's like, hey, we need to hire a guy who can do this kind of development. Let's go find one. And then next week you have a guy. You would think, but when Microsoft releases new upgrades and things and they say, oh, yeah, it's super easy to upgrade. We can do that automatically. And then, uh, as it turns out, it costs $500,000. Sure. Okay. Well, maybe that's it. The other thing here, though, is it sounds like he is saying we're not going to see season three of this video game right away. But maybe, perhaps, you can expect to see The Walking Dead again sooner. So is there another 
Walking Dead related project in the works? And if there is, is it from Telltale? I, w- I got to think it is because why would this guy be commenting on it? I wouldn't think it's from another video game company. Yeah. Or is he talking about the spinoff? Or is he talking about season six? Or is he, you know, talking about new books or whatever? I mean, who the F knows? I- I'm going to go with a new game. They're coming up with a new game uh, soon. And they've, they've decided to concentrate on that rather than coming up with a sequel. So in that case, we should, you would hope, sometime over the next little while, get an announcement about that new game instead. Yeah. Maybe again at Comic-Con in the summer. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows, really? Um, Telltale is being a little bit... Uh, they're holding That their... guy knows. But well, he's th- just not telling us. Yeah. Job Stoffer knows. Job. <laughs> but he's not telling us. They're holding their cards close to their chest for now. All right. I guess it's just the main thing is season three will be coming because it's a great game and I enjoy playing it. I would like to have a season three. I want the season three super, super, super soon. So if you could make it available to me tomorrow, that'd be fantastic. That'd be really, really great. Yeah. Um, so get on writing, rewriting all that source code that the catastrophic intern deleted. Right. Hurry up. Okay. Uh, one more item, and it does have to do with the novels. The next novel in the series is going to be called The Walking Dead colon Invasion. Which we may have already mentioned. I can't remember if we talked about it on this podcast or not. Uh, That title's been out for a little while now. Um, But we know now that uh, it is coming out on October the 6th, 2015. Which we got to think is right in time for the beginning of season six. Yep. And of course, Jay Bonansinga is still the author. He is co-writing these with Robert Kirkman. But, you know, I've had the pleasure to talk to Jay a couple times and I moderated his panel back at one of the Walker Stalker cons. So from what I know, he's there. they have a working relationship now, which really gives him a lot of freedom to do what he wants. So I think he pretty much goes off and writes these books, sends them to Robert and says, what about, you know, how about this? And Robert signs off or doesn't, I guess. So uh, I think at this point, Jay Bonansinga can really be considered the primary author. Yeah. And uh, he does an okay job. Now, there is a three-paragraph plot summary released for this book as well, which I'll link to, I guess, in the show notes for this. Uh, So visit our website when you hear this if you want to go read the plot summary for this book. I'm not going to read it here because, I mean, it's three paragraphs and it's potentially a little spoilery. I'm just going to read three words from the description, though. Okay. And you can either comment or you can just leave leave it right here and we'll move on. Sure. The three words are taken from the description of the Walking Dead invasion. Diabolical secret weapon. (laughs) Lich. It's a lich. Oh my God, they stole our lich idea. Yeah, it's a lich. It's a lich leading a, uh, uh, you know, a a horde of uh, the undead uh, in order to invade whatever their, uh, you know, the lich's goal is. Because who knows what liches are thinking, right? So it's, yeah, it's obviously a lich. Wow. I, that didn't even occur to me, but it should have. <laughs> yeah. And we could even do a Game of Thrones crossover and have a Draco Lich, which is a thing, believe it or not. Oh, I believe it. And I believe it that you would know what that is exactly. Well, it's a Lich Dragon. Hmm. Lich Dragon. <laughs> well, there you go. There may be Liches in the next Walking Dead novel. That'd be cool. Or at least Jay, one. Hey, do it. Mr. Bonansinga, I'll even call you if you do it. That'd be awesome. 
please <laughs> put in a lich. Um, if I recall, the liches used to control a pack of dinosaurs. Uh, you know, you know, I kind of went away from that idea. They're mostly just controlling the undead. Okay, great. We might get some wraiths and some ghosts and some walking skeletons and uh, a mummy here and there, but uh, dinosaurs, come on. Not even undead dinosaurs? No, they're dead. They're just dead. <laughs> they're just dead. All right. So there you go. That is your update on all the news from the universe of The Walking Dead. Um, thanks for listening to that and uh, we will be bringing more news as we move on into the summer and things are announced uh, we are going to take a short break right now when we come back it's our interview with steve coulter from alexandria on the walking dead season five so that should be great stay with us podcast is an entirely listener supported podcast so if you would like to find out how you can help us with the cost of putting on this show visit patreon.com slash the talking dead there you can find ways to make a small monthly pledge uh, to help with the cost and uh, we really appreciate everyone who visits that link that's patreon.com slash the talking dead you can also use our Amazon links when you do all your shopping at Amazon.com or .ca or uh, the Spanish, British, German, or French Amazons as well. To do that, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and choose the country or click on the country of your choice that works best for you. Either way, Patreon or Amazon, we really appreciate all the support from uh, all the listeners and uh, it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. One more thing you can do is leave us a review on iTunes. Go to the iTunes store, look up our podcast, and leave us a review there. It's a great way to help us get more exposure with iTunes, get featured, and just, you know, get, uh, get the word out there about what we're doing. So all three of those ways are great ways to help. We appreciate everyone who participates and uh, makes us very happy.
Joining us now is the actor who played Alexandria resident Reg Monroe on The Walking Dead, Mr. Steve Coulter. Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. I am a fan. Oh, that's that's great. Um, we just really appreciate you taking a few minutes to to come on and chat with us. And one thing I like to ask, you know, everyone we've had on is about how they got involved with The Walking Dead, how how they auditioned or got the role, because we've heard a lot of stories about, you know, fake casting calls or made up characters mm-hmm. or a very secretive process. So I'd love to hear what it was like for you and how you got involved. Yeah. Well, I, I first got involved in being a fan. That's one of the things that was fun is I watched the show from the very, very beginning. And since I, I live in Georgia, you know, as an actor, you want to be on the show. And, um, and they really, there's very rarely are there really good substantial parts that they don't cast out of, you know, Los Angeles or New York. Um, but they sent me this audition and it was a completely disguised scene. You'd never think it was from The Walking Dead. It was, it was a cocktail party, curiously, which was that, you know, that scene um, in Alexandria where they have the party for the survivors. Right. But it was, it, the premise of it, it was like a book signing that my wife was a famous novelist and I'm speaking to another author and some of the lines I was saying is, I've seen all your TED Talks <laughs> and I was thinking, this is obviously <laughs> not going to be on the actual show. Right. Um, but it's sort of, and I got a sense of, I thought I, it probably was talking to Rick's character just because the way it described of all his accomplishments and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think it was like a New York penthouse cocktail party. And um, so I, was, I had no idea. And I also thought, I didn't know it was a recurring character. I thought it was just a minor character. Um, and the curious thing is that when I taped, I you know, put myself on tape, and I had one of those old flip cameras. I don't know if you remember those, the ones that sort of plugged directly into your laptop. And I'd recorded the audition. I was trying to get it in early. Uh, it was due on, I think, a uh, Monday. And I was trying to get it in on a Saturday. And I recorded, there were about, uh, I guess it was one long scene and then a little bit. And I did it and I felt pretty good about it. And then I went to, you know, upload it on my computer and nothing happened. Because uh, the um, camera had died. So I had to go out that night and buy a new camera (laughs) and learn how to use it. And we did it the next day. And I guess maybe fate obviously did some stuff differently. And, um, and then they called up and they said, what they do, your agent will call you and say, you have been pinned, which means they sort of, you're kind of on hold, but that means they have other people in mind. Um, so you can start getting your hopes up. But then they said, but you're the only one pinned. I went, okay. (laughs) But I guess they're waiting for the studio to see after they looked at my audition to see if I would be a match for the woman playing my wife, uh, for um, Toma Feltzer. And then I guess a couple of days later it was my birthday of all things. We got a call saying you got the part. And then I found out it was uh, originally I thought I was coming. They said you're going to be in like two episodes this season and you'll come back next season. Right. Um, but I think that was my agent's misinformation because obviously. Yeah, they, they, I'm sure they knew the story arc by then. Um, I didn't know I was going to get my folks let uh-huh. season finale. <laughs> right. I still would have taken it, though. But it was, a, it was a great surprise. And it was like getting to play on your favorite baseball team. I just, I love, I've always loved the show. And to get 
the you know play with those guys was so much fun. Well, well, speaking of that, uh, what was it like coming into that environment with all those actors? You know, who've who've a lot of them, at least Rick's group and his clan, have been together for a long time, and then yeah, and then they come into Alexandria where there's it's the first time there's really a whole group of new characters all at once. What what was it yeah. like merging those two? They were so because as an actor, sometimes you go and you work on a film or a TV show, you'll go in, like I'm on Banshee, and I'll go in and shoot for about three days or so. And you're kind of like that new kid in school. No one really talks to you. Maybe one or two people are nice to you, like the cafeteria lady. Um, But this cast is, and you may have heard this maybe in other interviews, it was like being welcomed into a family immediately. And Andrew Lincoln sort of at the forefront, he stop what he was doing and came over to introduce himself. Um, and you'd think you're having this number one show in the world, there would be egos and there's none of that. It's, and it's, it's not only that people are just so friendly and so kind as an example, I think one of the first days I was there, I was in a makeup trailer and Steven, you know, who plays Glenn, he came in to borrow somebody's bicycle because the, the Alexandria compound is built like right on the outskirts of Samoa, I mean, within walking distance. And he borrowed someone's bike and rode into town and got pastries and coffee for the hair and makeup women. Um, and that's like at the end, you know, that's at the, it wasn't like, you know, that's at the end of a long, you know, stretch of shooting and work for him. You know, it's, this is like the last couple months. And that's the kind of people they are. They just... It's very friendly, very relaxed. They shoot, you know, an entire episode in eight days, and none of those days are very long shoots. It's usually about eight or nine hours. Um, it was kind of disgusting how great and kind everybody was, <laughs> but they run a really nice, you know, it's very runs very smoothly, and the directors always make sure you have plenty of time. They'll say we have a lot of scenes to shoot, but don't let you know, don't feel rushed if you want to do another take. Just let us know. And um, like the scene when after our son has died and we're sitting there and, and sort of welling with tears and stuff. And he said, Steve, you just take as much time as you need. This has got to be right. And I want you to be comfortable. And they're just so generous and kind. And um, yeah, it's because I, I wish I had, I'd have no dirt. They're just such nice people. That's crazy. <laughs> very accepting. Yeah. That's that's really cool. I wonder, do you think you sort of need that kind of relaxed attitude when the cameras aren't rolling? Because when they are, there's sometimes so much intensity or or just yeah, horror. I think so. Well, I, yeah, and I think part of it, too, is they're real. Like, I've been acting for about 25, 30 years. And the, the real pros, they take the work really, really seriously, but they don't take themselves that seriously. Mm-hmm. And so they also do know that, yeah, you need to blow off. But that kind of a show where things are so serious and so intense, um, things tend to be a little lighter. There's a lot of joking and, and genuine friendship. Like everyone, you know, in between shots, no one goes back to their trailers. They kind of hang out and talk. And you know, we would sit on the steps a lot near the Alexandria building. There are all those brownstones. And we would just sort of sit on the steps, like hanging outside, you know, high school. And just, and it's really kind of neat. And it is very lighthearted. Um, and at the same time, when they get to work, like with Andy Lincoln, when he did that, you know, that big fight scene where he pulls the gun and points it at everyone, um, 
he just every single take. Now we shot that scene all day long, and every single take, which is probably about thirty takes maybe, because they had to shoot from every angle. And even when he wasn't on camera, he still did it just as intensely as when he did it for close-ups and stuff. And um, it's kind of astounding. I've seen other actors that don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But the real pros are they're gentlemen and and kind and and, uh, again, like it's. I think everyone there feels very lucky, very fortunate. Um, and I've had that experience. When I did uh, Insidious with Patrick Wilson, we were about to go through his door into all this mist, and he just turned to me and he said, isn't this a great job? <laughs> <laughs> so you just get the, my, my daughter says, you know, Daddy, you just you just play dress-up. I was like, yeah, I, I got to. <laughs> you get to play dress up and pretend with all these cool people. Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, and it's like being a kid too. When you have, like when you're doing all, like you know, especially with like the death scene with blood and stuff, it's like being 11 years old again. You know, and you're in there because we used to, I used to do that with ketchup and pretend you get shot and all that. And it's <laughs> that sense of fun is really important too because they do they they're very human moving stories. But there's also a sense. There was one director, um, Jennifer Lynch, who did the episode where um, Noah is killed before every take. And I watched, cause I would watch other people scenes as well. The last thing she would say, the cameras would be rolling and she'd sort of shut out, have fun. <laughs> cause it's supposed to be, you know, and even though it's not fun, always what you're doing, um, it's that sense of this is, this is fun. This is a joy. You know, we're not, we're not airlifting orphans to Thailand. We're just making a television show. So it's, it's a nice attitude. Sure, it sounds like a really good time. Uh, so let me ask you about uh, about the comic a little bit that, of course, The Walking Dead is based on. Um, your character, Reg, isn't exactly in the comic, although in some ways he is. In the comic, there's a character... Yeah, he's Regina. He's Regina, yeah. that's right. And, of course, Deanna <laughs> yeah. was Douglas, so they, they swapped the yeah. gender there a little bit. Um, did you read the comics? Are you familiar with them? Do you have any insight? I, do. I, look, I went around that section, and I should have seen the writing on the wall because I knew that Regina was mm-hmm. killed in a very similar fashion. And when I got an earlier script where they... I think, you know, when, she, when Carol tells Rick, you know, you're going to have to kill Pete. Mm-hmm. And I kind of figured, Pete's going to die this season. They didn't know yet. And I hadn't yet been told I was I was going to be joining him right. in that. Uh, I should have known. And it just, I think this actor denial, he just thinks, well. But they do say when you first get there, the head of makeup, she said, uh, and she's known me from other streets, and she said, Steve, you've come, you all come here to die. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did know that. I thought it was clever of them to just sort of switch the, gender is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I sort of, I should have known that my, I would have a similar fate. And now I think I want to, I have not, I'm kind of torn because I don't, I really, as a fan of watching the show, I don't want to know where it might go. And I know they diverge at times, but um, I may not read the comics for a while because I don't want to know. I don't know what's happening next season and I don't want to know. I want to know watch on Sunday nights and find out. Yeah, we we try to stay away from spoilers too as much as we can. You know, we although we do this yeah. every week, we we don't want to really know what's upcoming. I bet, yeah. Well that's what, one thing I love about listening to you guys is you're genuine fans. And because um, I've heard others, I sort of listen to other podcasts and others and you do pick apart things and analyze stuff. But behind it, it's like listening to good sportscasters. They'll point out mistakes or things that players made, but behind it all is a love of the game. 
And that's what I sort of like about it. It's like, you guys are genuine. You like the people who, you know, you like the people who are listening to your podcast. You like the show, and you and I love the little details you get. Chris is uh, you're, Chris. Chris is much more caught up on the comics than I am. I kind of stopped at uh, issue one hundred. I think that's uh, pretty much as far as I've gone. And I, uh-huh. and I'm with you on the uh, on the not really wanting to know what uh, what's going to happen next. I think I'm going to stick yeah. just to the TV show for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So, Steve, even even after they switched things around, uh, you know, for the TV from the comic, were you able to draw anything from the comic to for for your character Reg at all? That's just sort of underneath. It's just that the intelligence of, you know, knows that the character was intelligent. And part of it is you really, it's funny because I've done in other projects, whether it's a play or a film, it's based on, you know, sometimes you're working off of, based on a real person or on a fictional person. You really do, and it may sound a little corny, but you really do go with what is written like for that script. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, there's a, I'm trying to say there's kind of a flavor from the comics, but the show has that. Um, so really, I just work with what, because there's, I think Regina had, I don't remember if, was it Douglas or Regina who had a limp? And I found that out actually a little later. I thought, well, that would have been an interesting thing to add to it. I sort of wish I'd had that knowledge, because it might be interesting for some reason, Reg had a limp or something. Um, but um, yeah, most of it is just from just off of the script because they, when you have good writing, and again, you hear a lot of actors say this: when you have good writing, there's so much work is done for you, and it's really nice where you can trust the script. And there's not a lot of rewriting; they do little tweaks. But I've worked in other shows where they're just constantly rewriting, and it doesn't always make it better. Um, they, they, we would get new revisions, but they're always just tiny little tweaks of lines and stuff. Right. Um, so the central conflict, I think we can talk about a little bit for, you know, that went down in Alexandria was really, you know, Rick's group feeling that, that everyone in, in Alexandria was just totally unprepared for sort mm-hmm. of the reality of the world that was outside their walls. Um, what's what's your take on, on this idea? Do you think that a community like Alexandria could exist safely in this kind of world, you know, with big walls? Uh, not necessarily because, and I think what Reg would think, I think one of the reasons he, you know, is kind of on Rick and company's side is I think he does see we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is a word, we are a little complacent. Um, I think, I think he's, he's, what was fun about playing him is he's such a clear headed, fair minded character. I think he's, he's not caught up in politics or power like his wife. And I think, um, I think, you know, physically it is a very formidable place, but they, they did, they were kind of, they were a little bit like Switzerland, you know, there was no army. And, uh, those walls are not the Alps. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. he saw that, you know, we need these people. Um, and I think he could see into, into them enough that they were the way they were a little, you know, you know, a lot of post-traumatic stress because of what they had been through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought he saw, which is one of the reasons he probably had to die. <laughs> That's what Scott Kimball said. You know, he's a good soul and he's clear-headed, so, you know, he's not long for this world. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of friends that sort of messaged me saying, as soon as you did that speech to Maggie about, you know, I'm going to talk to them, we knew you were dead meat. 
it's like, yeah, clear-headed, kind people don't last too long. Well, I feel like the same sort of thing came out in the scene at the cocktail cocktail party when you were first introduced to Rick and you sort of, you know, offered him a drink and you were the one who convinced Rick to let his hair down a little bit and accept the drink and, and take it easy. Is that, was that sort of an important scene for you to contrast what comes later with Rick? Very important because that, that's the, it's someone who has to break through to Rick and to not do it. You have to do that from a place of just, Someone who's like a very is so confident in his own self. He's not pushing anything. It's almost like a father brother figure. Almost like you've come back from combat. It's okay. Just sit down, have a beer. It's okay now. And that was actually the audition scene, really. And I think that's you know. So it was very. It was one of the first things I actually shot. And um, I remember thinking, I've got to get behind Andy's eyes because he it was like coaxing a little animal out of a out of his cave and he's he is just great because he had this sort of a fear sort of in his eyes and i said i've got to change that look in his eyes and make that relax mm-hmm. and so i just made sure i kept eye contact with him and it was really fun because after he was saying how'd you do that and I said, <laughs> it, was, it was mutual though because he he's one of those actors that is very present and i know i sound like a Short actor talking, <laughs> but he is. There's some actors that prepare, and you feel like you know I could set fire to my head, and they're going to say their lines the same way. Right. <laughs> but he was not. He was like I just, and I realized if you notice in that scene, Reg is very soft spoken, and I just thought all I have to be is very honest and sincere and calm because I think he's not used to being around calm, and just let him know it's okay now. You don't. You don't have to. You can let go now. Yeah, and I think and I think part of that too was in that conversation, uh, Reg he sort of downplayed his um, his contribution to of building the walls as compared to Rick, you know, keeping fourteen people alive for all this this time. Yeah, and it had to be genuine because I thought it can't be. You know, a lot of people have false modesty, and I had to make sure that you know, he really doesn't think it's that big a deal. It's like, yeah, it's a wall, mm-hmm. and it is impressive. And you know, he acknowledges that, yeah, it's impressive, but it's. It's not in this kind of a world. What he had managed to do is phenomenal. It's like getting. I recently saw a documentary about the evacuation of Saigon, and, and, I, and I saw all these people that had risked so much to get these people out, and that's an accomplishment. The guy who built the helicopter, and eh, it's just a helicopter, you know. And I think it's that same sort of thing of he did something bigger um, that's you know has much more value. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and again, so the, my goal as an actor is to say that genuinely. I'm not, I'm not trying to blow smoke at him, or I'm not trying to just no. This is this is just what happened. And mm-hmm. I think that, and the writers did a good job of that's how he gets Rick to relax and and see what he's done to sort of reflect. Like, do you realize what you have done? Um, and that was real important. For sure. Do you think Reg saw anything else in Rick that made that made him want to keep? Rick around other than maybe the protection or the experience that Rick and his group I offered? think I think he sees I think you guys by you know there's some people you meet in your life and you just go boy that's a good guy that's <laughs> just a you know sort of good guy in capital letters and I think that's what he sees in Rick's eyes this guy is someone you want you could trust you know that, that person that come hell or high water you can trust not only to protect you but to be your 
everybody in the foxhole. That there's there aren't many people like that, and uh, you know I think that's one of the reasons the appeal of the Rick character on the show is he's that guy. He's the, he's a genuine hero, um, and there just aren't many of those kind of people. And I do think Rich sees that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and despite the, you know, and heroes make mistakes, and heroes, you know, um, can hurt people at times. But at, at his core, he's a good guy. And you, the world, you know, they, it's, I love that thing in the show about the world needs Rick, you know, Rick Grimes. Yeah, and that's true. I think the you know the world needs more Rick Grimes in in general. You know, we need genuine heroes more. Mm-hmm. Well, especially in a in a world like this, I mean, Rick doesn't always make the most popular decisions or, yeah. or the easiest ones, but you need someone that can right. do that. Yeah, it's that's what the really great leaders do is you know you make the tough decisions that no one else will make. That may not you know, look at Abraham Lincoln or any you know they made things that people hated them for, but in the end it was for a greater good. And I think because mm-hmm. he went out to beat them. Where it's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, but in general, he's just that he's a gen, you know, genuine hero. And that's one. Of, I think that's what one of the things that pulls people into watching because it's not just zombies, and you know, that's fun to see. Well, how are they going to kill zombies? You know, how are they going to kill the walkers this week? It's these characters that you know. I I I like watching shows that you know, like I used to love watching Steve McQueen and those actors. People that have qualities that I you know aspire to or things like that, or it's, uh, you would hope you would act like him in an apocalypse like that, mm-hmm. and not like, you know, Eugene did. <laughs> like sure, but even Eugene is starting to redeem himself. Yeah, he redeemed himself. I love that. That was one of my favorite things this season. I was like, oh, he, he really stepped up. Yeah, definitely. great. So when we we mentioned last uh, in the last couple of podcasts that we were going to have you on, and one of our listeners, Katie in Blackwood, New Jersey, sent in uh, a question for you. And okay. Katie said the death of Deanna's husband at the hands of the drunk doctor was a shock, and was a very intense way to show Deanna the brutality of this new world they are all inhabiting. I actually teared up a bit while she was holding Reg as he bled out. Oh. And that sort of brings up the question for me, anyways, that, um, you know, that was the moment that Deanna sort of finally realized what the world is like. And maybe Reg already sees this, as we've kind of already talked about, but do you think he would have come to the same conclusion if the tables had been turned and it was Deanna that was killed? Wow, that is a great question. You know, he might not have. My gut is, my gut just as, as... the guy would be, I think he would have said, don't hurt Pete. I mm. think that he would have said, don't hurt Pete. Um, Cause I do, I just think that's how Reg, that just seems like the kind of guy he is. We don't hurt him. He would say it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Cause it was an accident. Um, a really bad accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think Reg would have said, no, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. And then Rick would have shot him. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great question. Well, thank you, Katie, in Blackwood, New Jersey. Good job. Yeah, thank you, Katie, and pleased to meet you. <laughs> whatever second or third hand that is. Sure. Um, so let's talk about your death scene a little bit. Um, obviously, you have your throat slit by a 
Katana yeah. accidentally. Um, what's it like filming that sort of thing? And what can you tell us about the effects that go into making blood squirt out of your neck and things like that? Yeah, it was it was intense. They, it was extremely cold. The, we that scene was shot over. Well, the, the whole you know the council scene around the fire was shot over two nights, and then we shot the the death scene of myself and Pete uh, the last night of shooting. And um, they prepped. It was funny because we were shooting just general, you know, everyone doing their speeches, and then they sent me off. It was Steve, go into the garage. And there they did, what we shot first was after my throat is a slash one already just collapsed in Deanna's arms. And they had it rigged, this uh, tube going up my leg, um, and they had a prosthetic gash in my throat that they did literally, I actually timed them because I was just curious. I said, I want to see how long it takes. It took 16 minutes to do this incredible, and they put a little latex piece in your throat, then color it, then blood it, and wet it, and everything. And then they had this tube coming up underneath it so that when I'm lying there, they can pump because it's my carotid, you know, artery that's yeah. in flesh. So this deep, dark, black blood will be pulsing out. And they had this off camera, some guys pumping the blood out. They were nice enough to try to heat the blood, but it, it wasn't too successful for the cold. And then later, and so we shot that several times of just sort of from from falling back down into uh, Deanna's arms. And then they did a, for when the initial cut, when he slashes my throat, they needed more of an explosive uh, uh, slash. So they had, um, we didn't have the, we couldn't have the open, because uh, you can't really see it too in the show. But I have, what I was walking around with, it looked like my neck was like half cut off. Um, <laughs> but for the explosive burst of blood from the first slash, they had a plastic tube around my neck with literally like a little nozzle on the front, again, attached to a pump going down my leg. And they had like a motorized pump that basically shot blood out, like everywhere. And they digitally removed the tube around my neck. Um, and this was all so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> And and Greg Nicotero, who was directing, uh, he was. He, we just had to do it a couple times. He wanted more of a sort of a throwing my head back, more like it really just severed my throat. Um, but I do remember it being just very, very, very cold. Like having cold water poured because the blood went everywhere, and and I would forget I'd be walking around during breaks with this blood-soaked sweater, uh, <laughs> and friends of mine on the set would just be looking at me like oddly and like what? <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> it must be so comical sometimes walking around in between takes, you know, covered in blood or zombie guts or whatever. Yeah, well, and Rick, if you remember, he's covered in, in the guts and blood. Uh-huh. And so he was like that for eight hours, just walking around, you're talking, sitting on the steps, and he's covered <laughs> in gear. And also, the, they have, a, for, the zomb, for the walker that he dumps on the ground, they had a real guy to lie there uh, in makeup for some of it. Um, but but he dumps a sort of prosthetic dummy, that, and these dummies are amazing. You can be standing up right next to it, and it, they look real. Um, they do because they weight it like a human, and um, and and they do this very very fast. That's what's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I guess they've just gotten good at it. And um, yeah, it's it's fun just as a as a spectator to watch some of the stuff that they do. 
because uh, I didn't get to work with many walkers. That was the first walker, a dead walker, that <laughs> I got to work with. And right. It's it fun. You mentioned uh, Greg Nicotero. He's he was the director of this episode, of course. Yeah. What uh, what's it like working with him? Do you think? I mean, he's had a long history of working, of course, in horror and special effects. What does he bring to this kind of thing that that really helps it work? He what he does, which what any good director does, because I've worked for I've worked on films and TV shows where the director isn't sure what he wants or what she wants, and that takes then it ends up eating up a lot of time. But what he knows exactly what he wants, and and you know he knows it's like working with a, a repertory actor, actors, and they have this cast that he knows so well, he knows what they can do, and they know his language, so he'll just be very specific. I'm sure they've storyboarded out everything, and they know exactly what they want. So he'll just come in with a little, very specific tweak. Um, and he is so relaxed, which again helps. Because if you work with a director that's feeling tense because of time or whatever, that tension goes to the cast and that affects your work. But he's just so very, very relaxed, even in a huge chaotic scene like that. Um, and he's very meticulous because I think because of the special effect background, you know, the attention to detail translates very well to working with actors. So if I just need this, and he doesn't give you any more information than you need. It, he doesn't like, some directors will crowd up, like, do this and do that and do that. And I think it, it's like they trust you to do your job because they've hired you and they hire professionals. And so he's just very, you know, try this and do that and let's go. And that was good. Let's move on. Um, yeah, they they've all done their homework, which is great. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they want. Oh, there's one thing that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Before every scene, they do a thing called story time, which is everyone sort of gathers in a certain. I mean, it's not like a ceremonial circle, and they just read through the scene to make sure everyone's on the same page. Make sure certain points are going to get hit. It's kind of a rehearsal, but it's more of just getting everyone on the same page, and it's very calming and it's very you know, that's when questions can come up, you know, make sure you hit this point and that point. Is this clear enough? Um, and especially when you do have to work fast, it's very, very important. Because it's all about the story, getting the story right and good for that viewer at home. Mm-hmm. Um, with so many different threads going on, too, to know that you know, this is what happened here and this is what led to this. And, and then you go and rehearse the scene briefly and then shoot it. But that little story kind of thing, uh, I've never had that on a set before, and I really, it was, it was great. It really set a good tone for each scene, because you really, you know, you're really grounded before you shot. And that was, me. was that something unique to Greg as a director, or The Walking Dead in general? I think, no, that's unique to The Walking Dead, because they'd had, like, I did four episodes, and there were four different directors. Right. And they'd always go, we're gathering for story time. Hmm. Um, so all the directors did it, so that's, you know, I guess that's a unique to them i've never you know you know informal you have rehearsals and stuff but never as structured as what they did which is a great idea sounds really cool sounds like a fun set to work on <laughs> yeah it really was, it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got spoiled so i, I want to ask you one more thing about about your your death scene and it may be a sort of a silly question but i often wonder when when someone is killed off on the show and they don't die immediately or something like that you know actors have to make all these gross gurgling sort of noises and death yes. noises and stuff do you do all that you know on on set or do you go in adr those yes. gurgle noises both and that's a, that's a great question <laughs> um you do some on set and then they had i had to do 
they added um, in the scene I did with Noah in that sort of gazebo. Mm-hmm. They added a line that wasn't in that they had me say off camera. So I had to go back in and ADR that. And the sound guy said, "You're going to be back. I'm I'm sure you'll be back for to do some gurgling, the last one." <laughs> and I did. It was actually the last ADR session for the whole season. I went in and uh, did some, and I literally used water and choking, and I sort of got some water caught in my throat and uh, hyperventilated a little bit. <laughs> didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah, for that very reason. So that that what you hear there is a mixture of on set recording, and the gurgling probably came from the ADR session. Mm-hmm. I don't remember being able to gurgle as effectively as uh, I could in the sound booth. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> That's amazing. It sounds like something that would be we would be fun to do. <laughs> well, and I got an odd compliment from a friend of mine. He said his wife is an ER nurse, and she said he said don't ask how she knows, but she said you're the sounds you made when your throat were cut were very accurate, according to my wife. <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, wow, that's nice. <laughs> well, it, it, I'm glad I just did pretend. Yeah, it came across. I mean, it sounded pretty realistic to me, but I have no idea what that's supposed to sound like. So, yeah, yeah. So figure you got blood in your trachea, and, and you're drowning in your own blood. That's fun. <laughs> uh, so I want to ask you too about Lenny James. He is an actor, plays Morgan, of course, and he's he's yeah. really a fan favorite on this show because partly because we don't see him all that often, and they've just dropped yeah, him in a little yeah. bit throughout the season. Um, now Reg was already dead when Lenny showed up, or when Morgan showed up in the scene, but I assume you got a chance to meet Lenny, and and do, yeah. you, do you wish you had yeah. more of an opportunity to work with him, maybe? Yes, because he does have, he is a, it's such a great character, and the way they brought him back, because I know everyone was saying, if we don't see Morgan in this final episode, we're going to feel cheated, and uh, yeah. it was such a great way, especially how he has changed, and he's kind of calmed down, and he's become this warrior, um, and in person, as you may have seen, they had him on the um, the, the talking that you know after show mm-hmm. and he's very british like very british and i i didn't realize that till i met him oh. and um yeah he's just this quiet gentleman that's you know you never know and he has this but it is one of the cooler and he hasn't even been when you think of it in terms of screen time he hasn't been on that much but he is just so he's very charismatic guy he's very friendly and warm and just has that kind of calm to him um, he's a very good actor. And yeah, I wish that's one of the things I thought, oh, I want to be able to work with him. <laughs> um, but I can't complain. I got to work with some really neat people. For sure. Lenny's one of the one of the few cast members I haven't met actually through doing this this oh. podcast and going to conventions and so on. But if he's gonna become a regular part of the cast, maybe we can get him out to some event and go say hi. Yeah, I would think he should I I hope he's safe. Of course it is odd because I know that since we don't see him so much, that's one of the appeals of his character. And, and they're smart about that, so I'm wagering he'll be around a good bit next season. So I'm looking forward to seeing the show next year. I wish I was on it, but I'm still looking forward to seeing it. Do you have, uh, do you have plans to uh, attend Walker Stucker Con or any of the conventions? I'm just starting to, because I've been getting contacted by people now, and so I'm starting to, so hopefully it will, because I hear they're a lot of fun to go to. Um, I'm friends with uh, Melissa Pondia, who played Karen, who met at Grizzly Fit as well, and mm-hmm. she does a lot of those. And she says they're just 
lot of fun. So I am hoping to get out because I've been very moved. To, I've been getting so many little tweets and things from people all over the world, and they're so nice. And they really are kind of this worldwide family out there. Um, and so, yeah, it would be nice to meet some of the fans and stuff. Uh, and that'd be fun. So I hope so. Yeah, I yeah, hope so too. Sorry, Jason. Oh, that's okay. Just uh, just thinking of the uh, Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta it might be nice and close for you. And I think Chris yeah, and I both yeah. are yeah. Uh, thinking of attending this year. So it'd be great to meet you in person. Oh, if you do, yeah, I'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, because I should be around. I hope. So, yeah. Well, let's Very hope fun. let's hope that happens. Walker Stalker Con is a yeah. ton of fun. I've been to three of them now, and it's uh-huh. organized by you know a couple of other guys who started as podcasters about the show. So, uh-huh. so um, it's it's really great. Hopefully, we can make it out. And Melissa Ponzio yeah. was someone else we met down in Atlanta last year, and uh, you know the first thing I I said to her was that uh, she doesn't look all burned up in real life. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> And she, again, she's one of the nicest, nicest, nicest people. Melissa McBride with this, Carol, I've known her for, God, what, about 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And she was always one of the best. We took an acting class together, and um, I remember she was this really incredible, because genuine talent is really pretty rare, probably in anything, but she was very good. And then she sort of left acting for a while. She was a casting director. And I was always like, why are you doing this? There's so many really, so few really good actors. And so then I guess Frank Darabont, you know, cast her in the mist and then created, you know, and, and gave her the role of Carol. And I'm so glad because the character of Carol is probably evolved more than any other role. And oh, yeah. she's astounding. Um, and she's great. Yeah, Carol is fantastic. I mean, we hear from a lot of fans and listeners, of course, too, and a lot of them say that Carol is their favorite character because she's changed so much and because in some yeah. ways people think she's really become really nasty or, or evil, but uh, other people think she's just, you know, the character's doing what she needs to do to, to survive and yeah, so on. Yeah, she's on that border. She's on that. Some of my fa- and I know my, some of my favorite scenes and some of the fans, like the scene where I see a little boy where, like, you know, I'm going to tie you up in the woods. <laughs> yeah. I guess she, and yeah, she's, she's on the border. She can, she's, She's pretty scary, but she she's is. great. She's really good. She is, and, and <laughs> Melissa really, really does a great job with that. Does. With that kind yeah. of material. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've um, you've worked in other horror and thrillers before, things like The yeah. Conjuring and the Insidious series. Um, yeah. And I've heard people say that The Walking Dead is like filming a little movie each week. Do oh, you, it is. It really is. So yeah. you'd agree with this? Do you think The Walking Dead? How do you, how does it compare to these other sort of film projects that are that are in the they, same sort of genre? It's, it's very in terms of because they really are shooting an hour. They're, they're shooting basically two thirds of a feature film in eight days. And you know the way it was a little similar to, for example, the when I shot Insidious Two, we had a very short, you know, relatively shorter uh, shooting schedule. Um, so in terms of just having to move quickly um, is very similar. But, and one thing that's interesting about The Walking Dead is they shoot on film, mm-hmm. which is very rare nowadays. Almost everything is shot digitally now, but they shoot actually on good old-fashioned film because I think they want a certain quality. It just gives mm-hmm. a little different quality to the to the picture that you see. Um, but they don't, and usually that can add time because it's little, you know, replacing a chip in a camera isn't, doesn't take as long as replacing a, a film magazine. Um, but in terms of the size and efficiency of the crew, it is, it is no different than a feature film script. Uh, 
feature film shoot, except like I've done a Disney shoot for Disney company and they have so much money that they take a little longer because you have a lot of redundancies and mm-hmm. things. Um, and they can afford to do, you know, they, they have the money to do more stuff. Whereas I think you have to be a little more creative when you don't have that money. Um, not that AMC is, you know, I'm sure they do put a good bit of money to, to Walking Dead, but it's not big, huge. And they don't have an unlimited budget at all. Right, right. I guess funny. it's funny when you think about having more money means more inefficiency in some ways. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, don't, you, you can, when you don't, you have to be a little more creative with stuff. Like, again, like the, the special effects that they did on me, which I would normally, like I did a, a I had to wear a hair, a mustache in the film, and it took like an hour every morning. And um, I mean, these guys, they just so quick, they did this like, what, 11, 16 minutes or so. Yeah. Right. And because um, they just, they, and, and a lot of the crew has been there the whole time. And that's a lot. Um, because crews, you know, that's, they're, they're the infantry, you know, they have, they're the first in last out, but so many people have been on that crew from, you know, day one because mm-hmm. they really enjoy it. And, um, and they treat people really, really well. I mean, everyone, you know, the crew was nice. The actors were nice. The producers were nice. Um, it was really, it was almost like people were on some kind of nice drug. It was so nice, <laughs> but it was genuine. And uh, again, I've been, I've never had that experience. That's why, and I've been warned that you're going to get spoiled working on the show. And, and I was. <laughs> Did you get a chance to meet Robert Kirkman at all? Was he around while you were filming? No, he was not around. I was hoping he would be around, but he wasn't. Or at least I, if he was, I'd never, I didn't, but I didn't see him. So that was, yeah. Okay. I was hoping to meet him. I think he's a pretty busy guy with, with another TV show coming <laughs> and comics and everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even Scott Gimple, the showrunner, because he's, you know, they're not only, you know, he's writing episodes, but he's, he's editing and he's mm-hmm. casting and he's producing. And, um, cause we didn't meet, I got a message. I guess I've been there about three weeks. I think I was working on my second episode and I got a message that Scott wants to meet you and he apologizes. He didn't get to yet. And then he, he wants to talk to you. And I didn't realize what he wanted to talk to me about because then the next message I got was Scott wants to talk to you about what's coming up in the finale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, right. oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so when he called, I went, I'm going to die, aren't I? Went, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> he was he literally apologized about, I'm not exaggerating, about 14 times in one conversation. Wow. I'm really sorry. And we really like you. But it is. But I said, I said, you know, you, I couldn't I think of a better way to go out than the last scene of a finale episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It really complaint. capped the thing off, didn't it? Yeah, I have no complaint. I'd love I would have loved to go back, but it's um yeah, it was, who doesn't like to die on camera? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go on the show someday, maybe as a zombie and die on camera. It sounds like a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just before we we let you go, is is there anything else outside of The Walking Dead now that you're of course off that that you have coming up and and where people can see you and 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 what you're doing? Let's see. They have, well, Insidious Three is coming out on uh, it's June fifth, cool. and uh, it's really really scary. And I'm not and I don't like scary movies. It's funny because if I wasn't in it, I wouldn't go see it because <laughs> uh, they scare me too much. Um, and it's a it's a it's a prequel to the other two, which was very clever of them to do. So you sort of see how it all kind of started, whole different family. And then I also did a, a pretty, I got a 
uh, play opposite Bruce Willis in a film that'll be coming up maybe later this year or maybe beginning of 2016 called Extraction. I play Bruce Willis's boss and a very, very, very foul-mouthed CIA director. Oh, okay. I got to make up swear words. <laughs> that must have been fun. <laughs> Is that Steve, where did, I was just literally making them up of using the F word in any possible combination of those words. And, um, and also I'll be coming back to Banshee. They're about to start shooting season four. And I'll be back as my Amish, Amish character on that. And, um, that's about it right now. I think I'm doing a play right now. But that's, um, sure. It, with the Amish character, you get to have the big beard most of the time, right? Yes, which is one of the most unattractive. It's really funny because you get to you get to dress in these really cool black clothes, and you walk around thinking, "Wow, I look pretty good." Then you go and wash your face, and you see this scary-looking <laughs> beard, and you're like, "I do not. I don't think the ladies like this." <laughs> it's like, like, what were they thinking? Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, we don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, we really appreciate you, you coming on and chatting with us. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I, as I said, I'm a big old fan, and I'll, be, I'll continue to listen to you guys. Oh, uh, thank you so yeah. much. And, and hopefully we do get to meet in person someday at, at one of these conventions. Um, I yeah, think... drop a, if you guys are coming to Atlantic, drop a line. I can... I'd love to meet up with you in person. Yeah, I think I am coming to Atlanta. The only problem is it's over Halloween, so I just got to make sure oh, that's okay yeah. with the family, but going to try to make it happen, yeah. so we'll get down there. Yeah, so, so I just use that. How old are your kids? Eight and five. So oh, you don't want to miss Halloween as that's the, that's <laughs> That's the one problem. I'd like to bring them, but yeah. then they'll miss out on some Halloween activities. Yeah, so. they might be... Yeah, they'd be scarred for life. You don't want to miss <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Come to Daddy with a real Halloween. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of people dressed up at, at these conventions, so that's for sure. That's what I hear. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we really appreciate the time, um, and you did a you did a great job on The Walking Dead. And it's, oh, well, thank you very much. I it, appreciate it. It's it's. I mean, in some ways, it's too bad you won't be back for season six. But it sounds like you're a big fan, and you'll be watching. So you know, maybe oh, we I'll can. Oh, i watching. Maybe we can chat with you again just as, as a fan of the show and, and see what sure, you think sure. as season six sure. moves on. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, good luck to you guys, and, and thanks for talking. That was fun. No problem. That was great. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. That is going to wrap up our podcast for this week, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Steve Coulter. Uh, big thanks to him for coming on. He actually reached out to us, which was super cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, told us he was a fan and, and would love to come and chat with us. So big, big thanks to him. It was a really great conversation. Had a lot of fun doing it. And... Um, as for what's coming up next in a couple of weeks, we have our season five wrap-up crossover podcasts with Jason and Karen from the Walking Dead cast. And uh, I think we're also going to sprinkle in over the next little while a couple of bonus reviews of non-Walking Dead related or non-Walking Dead stuff, but zombie related material. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but I'm intrigued. But but look for those on a future upcoming episode uh, of this here fine podcast. So um, that'll be happening soon, and uh, I think I think that's it for now. So 
Until next time, everyone, if you want to get in touch with us, you can give us a call, 1-844-483-9662. That's our toll-free number. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Or finally, you can, of course, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, I will stop rambling. Until next time, everyone, thanks for listening. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. We'll see you next time.